Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. When I first met Gabriel Metcalf, we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were both panelists at this conference on the urban, rural, and suburban divide. Gabe is the president of SPUR, which is one of the Bay Area's big public policy think tanks. He's in charge of thinking about how the Bay Area should grow. And I remember when I left him, he was right in the middle of making a huge decision to stay in the Bay Area or leave. Spoiler alert, Gabriel is leaving, but not because his work in the Bay Area is finished. The work is never done. That is true. That's exactly what my wife said. Let's go have a crazy international (laughs) adventure like we always said we wanted to do. So before Gabriel takes off, he sits down with the Bay for an exit interview. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. So a little background on Gabriel Metcalf. He's the outgoing president of SPUR, where he's worked for 21 years. More than half of those years, he's been president. We were like the last generation where you could show up here without a job and just figure it out. Figure it out, yeah. Gabriel moved to the Bay Area in 1996, when he was in his mid-20s. When I first moved to San Francisco, People worried about it being a dying tourist town. Now it has become the center of global capitalism. Turns out that that a culture that is very anti-capitalist is a great place to grow business. (laughs) And that's one of the great ironies of history. We have everything we need to solve our problems. We have um, super high levels of education and voter participation. We have all of this wealth. We, We have a job creation engine that looks like it can keep going and going and going, reinventing itself. If we do not solve our problems of affordability and um, transportation, accessibility, and economic inclusion here in the Bay Area, we have no one to blame but ourselves. The Bay Area is known for its housing crisis and traffic congestion. Some members of the homeless encampment refuse to leave. If if somebody says, what's the one issue in California, what's the one major issue, I would actually say poverty. Advocates are fighting to save a tense city. More housing that's affordable to working families in the immediate vicinity of, of the BART stations. Bart says it's trying to keep the trains and stations clean while also tackling the underlying problem, addiction. 
Like I mentioned before, Gabriel and I met at a conference this past spring in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And the weekend I left, he was deciding whether to take the job in Sydney. So I guess personally, the last time we saw each other, you were at this really, uh, really important moment in your life. I remember you were talking to me about this job in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you at such a pivotal moment in my life. Gabriel was offered a job in Australia to become CEO of the Committee for Sydney, which is this city planning group that's super similar to Spur. And I wasn't sure which I honestly thought you were going to stay here. And I was really struggling with the decision because my work here is not finished. I almost feel like, though, your kind of work is never going to be done. Yeah. And so when you think about the timeline of where we are in the Bay Area in this moment, do you think it's at the beginning of a really big change? Do you think we're right in the middle of it? Or do you think it's already too late and we've already moved past and now we're just doing a lot of Band-Aids? That is true. That's exactly what my wife said <laughs> when she said, come on, take the... Let's let's go have Take a crazy international <laughs> adventure like we always said we wanted to do. Nice. Um, it's true that the life of a city is long and cities are never finished. What's been spiritually amiss in the Bay Area is some people and and you know stereotypically it's the generation that arrived in the 1970s faced a whole set of challenges and kind of came up with a, an approach. That generation has been in power for a long time and and in some ways is trying to, I think, hold on to the version of the Bay Area that they created and has had a really hard time accepting change, accepting continual change. And some of that is just literally that there would be new buildings. Why the 1970s? Is that ba- baby boomerish? It's baby boomerish. I think it was a really pivotal time, not just San Francisco, but also New York, Boston, Seattle. Already some of the neighborhoods were starting the early phases of what we now call gentrification. We had this close of a kind of heroic age of regionalism where we created BART and we saved the Bay and we saved the Marin Headlands and a new set of challenges was starting to emerge. The freeways had been stopped. Urban renewal had been stopped. But what was just starting to happen that they couldn't know then is that instead of dealing with the problems of abandonment of the inner city, we were going to face the opposite problem, which is huge, overwhelming demand of people to live in the central cities. So all of the tools that had been created in the 1960s and 1970s turned out to be not helpful for the new set of challenges we were going to face. You had Prop 13. Well, first let's hear from Mr. Howard Jarvis for an opening statement on why voters should vote yes on Prop 13. Which limited property tax. Which limited property taxes. And the purpose of this amendment is, number one, to reduce the amount of money that government takes in in taxes, because we think the only way you can cut spending is to not give them the money in the first place. So cities no longer had the resources. Um, Soon we had Reagan. We can remember this November 8th as the day that we restored the two-party system. And this kind of cultural um, giving up on government as as, uh, being capable of doing big things. 
Mr. Reagan's victory by nearly a million votes was the most spectacular in the nation. A study of how it happened, as seen by our KRON cameras, may tell us much about the rapidly changing mood of America as it moves into the final third of the 20th century. And so we've been living, in some ways, we've been living in the world that they created at that time as it's been less and less able to cope with the new emerging problems. What they tried to do in order to save the central cities actually made all of the problems worse. They launched really three interrelated programs. Uh, slum clearance, which you put in quotes. Um, public housing is the second program. And freeway building. And they all were conceived of as ways to save the city, to sort of deal with the, the urban problem, as they called it. But what ended up happening is they tore down the historic fabric they built new public housing projects that ended up concentrating poverty. And then, um, and then of course, the urban freeways um, divided neighborhoods and really destroyed the livability. You know, all of that was done by city planners who thought they were doing the right thing. And, and there's a probably truism that, that pretty much what city planners do is try to fix the things that previous generations of city planners did. <laughs> yeah, okay, that and, makes a lot of sense. And so um, the generation of activists that came to power in the 1970s was fighting against urban renewal and urban freeways. And, and so we owe them a huge um, debt of gratitude for stopping the bad stuff from happening. But what ended up happening as a result is we lost our ability to make the good stuff happen. Gabriel Metcalf is the outgoing president of Spur. He leaves in January for Sydney. I could tell by Gabriel's face during our conversation that there was a lot that he wanted to say, but he just couldn't. He does say, though, that the challenge today is finding real solutions to these systemic, chronic problems that have been around for decades, and not just working on temporary fixes, which is a lot easier said than done, especially when you consider there are about 100 cities that make up the nine-county Bay Area, and they're all kind of doing their own thing. We don't have a regional solution yet. Before he goes to Australia, Gabriel is leaving us with some ideas to think about. This week, he tweeted out that we should be paying more taxes for social housing, and also, we should let tall buildings be next to short buildings. The Bay is produced by Erica Aguilar and editor Vinny Tong. Our theme music is by Dowd Anthony. Our team includes Julie Kane, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 